And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the J-Care Podcast. Today we have artillery right-handed pitcher and 2024 Virginia baseball commit Trey Gregory Alford on the J-Care Podcast for the PRD Baseball Series presented by Cradle Batwage. Trey, super pumped to get you on the show, man. I know you've had a super busy past, what, two, three months or so this past summer. So kind of excited to dig into that, excited to dig into your baseball career so far. You know, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. Thank you for having me on here. Um been really waiting for this so can't wait to talk awesome man you know you know first off you know thanks for coming on the show as well but you know before we dig into all those you know cool events you've gotten to take part in these past couple months before we dig into everything of you going to uva and all that different types of stuff got one question i always like to ask everybody that gets on the jcare podcast and that is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is trey gregory alford oh um i mean I'm just, at first, when you see me, I'm going to be, like, a pretty big kid, and I'm going to stand out a lot to a lot of other kids, like, 6'5", just overall big frame, but really, really friendly, don't, like, try to do too much, just, I'm just overall a friendly guy, and just help out if needed, stuff like that. Okay, you know? so you know, you're fresh off a USA Baseball experience, I believe you guys went overseas somewhere, I can't remember where, but... Um, just kind of take us through that experience. You know, we can kind of start with PDP going to the USA training camp all the way up to, you know, going overseas and playing in other countries. 
just kind of take us through that whole experience and what that atmosphere was like. All right. So, yeah, like you said, I'll start at PDP. So basically with a, for a travel ball tournament out with artillery and pitched close to five shot innings against I think like South Charlotte Panthers, really good team out overall this summer. I think up to 93, breaking ball was working good. Changeup was working well, too. And scout saw me there the day I pitched. I didn't know about it, like, at all. But after we won the championship on Sunday, um, like, I think the head of operations for USA called me. It was like, hey, we've talked to a couple of scouts, a couple of advisors. They're like, you should really go ahead and take a chance on this kid. And that's when they sent me the invite to PDP. So I flew out that week later. We're, all the plays were there, total of 10 days. Played, I think, six or seven games, something like that. We were, there, we were there for, like, a long time. Really got to learn how to grow both as a person, as a player. Um, really just went through, like, what USA Baseball expects out of everybody. And, and there, I think it was a total of 96 people there. But overall, it was a blast. Loved it. Definitely, like, if you can get that invite – definitely make that one of your goals for like your junior year heading into senior year summer. So, and then ooh, what was after PDP? Oh, USA trials. So USA trials, we had that, I think John and Jay Sarah high school in LA. We were there for about a week that we took 40 from PDP. So pretty much cut that in half by the amount of players were there and 40 of their comp competed 20 on red, 20 on Navy. And because I came fresh off of the perfect game, All-American game the week before that. So that was definitely something that was a little like gone a little bit longer than a couple other kids. That's for sure. Came fresh off of that on through total, total two innings through really well. I mean, definitely wasn't the best I wanted to throw, but it was definitely like, okay, I definitely have a legitimate shot of making this compared to some of the other guys. And, dude, when I tell you every player there was good, like, every – just everywhere there was a dude somewhere. Like, whether it's in the batter's box, in the field, first base, pitching, it didn't matter. There was a stud. So – and then two days later, the thinking was – because we had one little scrimmage together as the 20-man. Day after that, we flew to Taiwan, about a 13-hour flight. Lost today, so we flew out Sunday – got there Monday evening. Then the next day we had a scrimmage and a game against, not scrimmage, well, practice in a scrimmage, scrimmage against Chinese Taipei, just to get a feel for like what the atmosphere is like and just overall well, how it was going to feel to be there for essentially two weeks. So that was that was definitely like a little different experience. Like I traveled out of the country before, I think when I was around the age of 10, my mom and I, we went on a, I guess it was somewhat of a mission trip, but like it was a trip my my church had with us, and we went to Israel for about ten days. Just got to experience the culture there, and I honestly it was awesome. it was awesome. I want to go again, but not sure when it's going to happen. So that was something looking forward to in the future. But um, yeah, overall we played pretty good in Taiwan. We got fourth place. That definitely wasn't the outcome we wanted, but we still competed and like really did what we could do during that time we were out there. 
Yeah. So, so while you're while you're overseas playing all those different countries, I know we talked about this before we started recording, but was there like just a different style of baseball when you're playing Chinese Taipei, some of those other schools, you're, uh, some of those other countries you're playing? Is there just like a different style or just a different culture over there when you're facing, you know, just non-American teams? Um, definitely. I mean, it's like non-American teams. You're not going to really be able to like you haven't you haven't seen it before, essentially. Like when we played Japan, for example, like the, just the pitching we saw from them was like nothing we've ever seen. But we almost rallied back in that seventh inning and put up put up a three spot. I think we left like two runners stranded overall. But that game was intense, so it was definitely a new play style that we had kind of had to adapt to and definitely learn because it's just something we've never seen before. Yeah, I'm sure. So you said you got that invite to PDP, what, like uh, two or three days before the event began? So now no, it was it was about a week, before, week? like okay. a week before my flight was they were like they called me the Sunday. It's like, hey, we're going to they told us to give a shot on you. Um, It's all talk to your parents. I know you're in North Carolina still right now, but let us know like the next day so we could go ahead and get your flight set up, all that stuff. So I got the call about a week before the flights were. Okay. So with that, you know, somewhat being a late invite to PDP, because I believe a lot of the invites were sent out there, you know, a couple months beforehand, you know, mm -hmm. now looking back on it, you know, you dominating PDP, going through USA trials now, you know, being on USA baseball. And I believe you said you pitched the last inning of the, you know, just the whole tournament as well for team USA looking back on it now, just, you know, what's that, you know, just, I guess, pride that you have for yourself or I guess, I don't want to say pride. Uh, I guess just looking back on it, kind of what's that excitement kind of seeing that you're a late invite to PDP, kind of proved everybody wrong and, you know, were able to go and dominate, you know, for the Team USA experience. It was definitely something like they definitely took a chance at. Like, I wouldn't say like my whole high school career, but like recruiting started late, late for me and really just getting out there and exposing started so late compared to everybody else so you could definitely say like I had to put I had to put a name out almost you know and show like hey there's a bunch of other kids like may not be able to get these opportunities and if they do they could really show like the player that they are yeah so going from I know P PDP you said there's 96 kids there USA trials 40 people I believe team USA is what 20 so yeah about cut it in half, cut it in half again there. So, you know, there's a lot of very, very good ball players that are just, you know, mm -hmm. not only representing Team USA. So after PDP, how long is it until you're finding out that you've made USA trials? And then, you know, after the trials, you know, how are you finding out that you've made Team USA? Kind of take us through those maybe just the couple waiting days and finding out that yeah. you get to the next level. So with PDP, they said they'd let us know about the trials. Oof. Trying to remember exactly when they told us. I think it was. I can't remember. I it was. I know it was in like the July August range, because they still had NTTD, NTDP. So they they took a total of they took four of the training camp from NTDP, and then Coy James and Jack McKernan. Jack is a left-handed pitcher. From Houston, I believe, and Coy, he's from North Carolina. He's an outfielder, infielder. Those two both came from NTDP and come played with us in Taiwan. So 
I, I really don't remember the date, but I know it was sometime during that like August, July range, like whether it was early August or late June, July, I can't remember. Okay. So, you know, overall going and playing for Team USA, playing those other countries, you know, wearing USA across your chest, a lot of, you know, a lot of major league players never got that opportunity to do that. And now you playing on that 18U team, getting that opportunity. What was that honor just wearing, you know, just USA across your chest and representing your country? Um, It was, it was definitely an honor. Like I, as a kid, I was kind of like, I saw them play, I think at like one WBC and, I don't know, it's like one social media kind of grew. I like saw all these players and stuff wear USA on it and they were still in high school. And I was like, dude, this is a dream of mine to go play for Team USA and go represent my country. So it was definitely something new, but it's it was almost like one lifetime opportunity because like really the next time it could only happen is either when I'm in college for the summer league they have or professional baseball with the WBC. Yeah. So you talk about how you kind of broke out into the scene here this past summer. And that was, that was one thing I definitely wanted to bring up because I was looking through your PG account. I believe let's, let's see what the scouting report says. It said, yeah. uh, ah, shoot. I had it pulled up and then it, it went away. Um, came out of nowhere, summer of 2023, you know, up to 97, I guess kind of take us through your development, where you're at before you kind of came out of this, came out onto the scene and what that, you know, looks like <clears throat> development wise. Okay. So, I kind of naturally thrown hard, I think, because I really, I still, I, I know how to use my body, but still not to the best ability that it is yet. So there's definitely a lot of stuff I'm going to work on this winter. But at 14, I got with this tra local travel ball team I have here called Colorado Baseball Academy. Steve Lockett, my coach, and Peyton Taylor, who's also been my coach. Steve Lockett, he runs and owns the organization. He's been great with me these past four years of high school. And really, he taught me, it was like, listen, so when I was 14, I was probably about 6'2", 6'1", 6'2"-ish, 185, a taller kid, but still didn't have a lot of size to me, and I threw 88 indoors, and it was kind of like one of those, okay, that's a lot, that's really new, so um, I played with them my freshman year going into sophomore year summer my rising junior summer and that's okay speaking of the rising junior summer i hit 95 i think it was at it was at an air force tournament so air force uh, 5-2 baseball out in at the air force academy and i hit 95 there and went to future games i think a couple of weeks after that because i know future games was like late july-ish like mid-july it was it's kind of, I think, right before WWBA, something like that. But hit 93 there, and that's when I really jumped on the board for both colleges and scouts somewhat because last year I was about 6'4", 225, and really just got on the board early through 93 there. And I was already talking to a couple colleges before that just because of the contacts that my coach Steve Lockett had here. I think I, was, I used to talk to Florida State. Uh, Wichita State I talked to for a little bit, Oklahoma State uh, was not in college, LSU, ASU when Jason Kelly used to be there, um, what's some other schools, oh, University of Miami down in Florida, and 
I think there's like one or two other. Oh, in Ohio State. I my my uncle, he's the running back coach and the head coach there for football. So I kind of had that little connection there. So those are really all the colleges I was talking to before then. But at Future Games, just got on the map. Just out of nowhere, pretty much. Like it was this summer, basically. Yeah. So, so um, or, go ahead. You, you can, okay. So, yeah, basically. Oh, and also UVA a little bit. I think I talked to them about a month before that. And that's after Future Games, that's when people really started to offer me. And was like, okay, whoa. Because really, it was just me and my mom on that trip. We had a tournament down at in Louisiana the week before that. Drove had an eight-hour drive to Lake Point, pitched there, drove back to Louisiana, and flew home. And it was just me and my mom out there. So my mom and my mom's really all new to this. So really, it was just a new experience for all of us. Yeah. So coming out of nowhere there for that Futures Games, your rising junior summer, you know, moving up those ranks fairly high. I was looking at PBRPG before this, you know, pretty highly ranked on both those rankings. But you know, that kind of then comes to the means of, you know, going to PGL American this summer, going to Area Code. Um, I believe you're part of that States Play experience that's actually going yes. on this weekend as well last fall. Um, you know, you know, looking at those three experiences, kind of want to split them up into three separate things here. You know, kind of take us okay. through the atmosphere, maybe the day-to-day, just the relationships you're able to build doing that. Kind of take us through, you know, first off, we'll start with States Play. I know that was shortly after Futures Games last fall. Mm-hmm. You know, PG All-American and then Area Code as well. Just what was that, you know, day-to-day atmosphere? Just overall, what were those experiences like? All right, so States Play, that was really the first time something was like, fully paid for for me like USA was really fortunate enough like for at least almost all the events they do pay for your hotel flights equipment gear all that stuff but um that was really the first time flew out alone I mean mom came later just because it was a little cheap I think a $200 flight from Colorado to Phoenix so it was like a weekend thing Friday Saturday Sunday um that was definitely a new it was new to me without a doubt but day to day there, uh, flew in that Thursday, had teams, had a whole meeting with all the players, really showed us what stage play was. Because it happened in 2019, 2018 with Bobby Witt. I think it was like Georgia and Florida. I like, I remember, because it's not East versus West like it was now. It was really stage play. It would be two states, they'd play against each other. And then they also had another one, 2019. Two split, two different states played against each other, and then of course, twenty twenty COVID happened. Twenty twenty one, everybody's rejuvenating, coming back from COVID, and then twenty twenty two, they decided to make it like a little All American game or All Star game with East versus West. So it was, I wouldn't say it was new to everybody, but it was definitely like a new event. Like, wasn't too popularized yet, just because I really never heard about it until I got that email and all the info about it. And then on Friday, what do we have? Oh, yeah, Friday, I had a little practice, got to know the team pretty well. Uh, one of my roommates, Stunner Gonzalez, he went to PG National and PDP as well. He, Me and him, and it was me, Stunner, and we call him Junior. He's from – he just committed – he committed to Oregon like about a week or two before that. But me and Stunner, I think were the two – uncommitted on our team i have the i think i have the roster on my first somewhere my mom likes to keep everything <laughs> so 
I think me and him at that time were the two uncommitted players. We both talked about like what our college's experience had been like when it came to recruiting. Because he was talking to LSU while a while I was also talking to LSU. So it was definitely it was really cool getting to know him. And he's you probably heard of him. Really tall dude, really lanky, six six. I think I don't know how much he weighs. I just I just know he was he was a tall guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah. um pitch I think on that Friday. Yeah, pitch on Friday really wasn't the best out of I had a lot kind of all over the place, but really didn't give up any runs. And I closed, I'd really, like, that's kind of when the closer rule really started for me. It was, like, last fall, because I closed the sixth and seventh inning down at the States play. And then over the summer, except for travel ball, that's when I'd really close, like PDP, um, all those events, I really pitched closer to those last innings. So that's really, that's really how I had it for States play. And I know it's going to happen again this year, and that is awesome. I'm glad they're going to be continuing it because that's definitely like a little – I wouldn't say little. It's a, it's a big event, but it's like definitely something like it's great to experience. Yeah, I'm sure. I got a couple I got a couple guys I know really, really well who are down in Arizona this weekend. Uh, um, you know, a couple guys who are committed to, you know, SEC schools, a couple guys going mm-hmm. through the process, you know, to go to SEC schools and – you know, they were showing me the roster and, you know, absolutely loaded again this this year as well. Kind of cool to go, you know, I guess I didn't realize that it was beforehand, you know, a state versus another state. And, you know, it is cool to kind of have that, you know, I guess all, all-star slash all-American game feel in terms of having guys from multiple states, guys from across the country playing against each other. But um, mm-hmm. I guess taking that from states play to either, you know, area code or PG All-American, however you want to go here, kind of take us through that those experiences as well. Yeah, okay, so... I'll take you to – I'll just go to the uh, area code games. Last summer – I probably should have mentioned a little earlier, but last summer I had that – I had an invite to younger class games. I did the form and everything, but I just decided mentally I didn't think I was ready to, like, take that on. So I wouldn't say it's something I regret I didn't do, but at the same time it's kind of – I'm kind of glad I did because I know my mental state has gone a lot better than it was last summer. But – Area code was honestly really fun. Like, it was definitely like a little different. Look at a university this time, not like some big field, but University of San Diego. Their host was amazing, amazing field there. Had really good players around. Dugouts were amazing. Uh, coaching staff was good there. We had it was like one of the only events this past summer where I wasn't the only Colorado kid. Andrew Bell, he's from Redditchersu up in Denver. He just he recently just committed to Duke as well, so that was a good thing to know about him because he was yeah. definitely he was he's been one of the twenty fours that's like been like okay when is he gonna commit because he he's a he's a player like he can play really good, and then we had Dane Most who's also up there from Denver committed to Nebraska he was on the same uh, tryout as me for the area code games so I pitched but overall. It's a great event. Loved it there. Um, pitched really well. Kind of, I think I went two and a third. Got out of a jam from with Cam in that third inning. Um, got, I got hit around a little bit, but that's expected. Like, not all your starts and all your outings are going to be lights out, you know? I mean, of course, that's the goal, right? You yeah, know, just throw, throw fuel, just strike everybody out. But I got hit around a little bit. But no runs scored. Um, 
got out of tough situations showed really that I can like toughen up and just get out of things if needed. So that's really, that's all I have for area code right now. Okay. And then what about uh, PG all American? What was that experience going to chase and uh, play underneath the lights and, you know, playing on a major league field? What was that experience like? Um, Definitely. Like I never, I haven't pitched in there. Uh, MLB field before like the only time I did was PG National in Chase Field and Diamondbacks were grateful enough to host both those events but I remember watching as a kid I can't remember which one it was it was like 2017 who was in that one I think like Blaze Jordan or something I can't remember which yeah. one it was yeah I think I think yeah I think 2017 would have been or 2017-2018 would have been I, I think Blaze mm-hmm. that was one of those like all right, I want to go play that, you know, because I never, I don't, I never knew like how these processes really worked to go play at these events. So, oh, I just really was, I really went out and just played out there, you know, about a week long, like five, six day event was awesome. Got a bunch of gear. Like I have so many, I, have, I just have so many clothes. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure your closet's, it, so. uh, I'm sure your closet's pretty full now with all the different uh, gear that you're getting from all these events. Yeah. But, um, it was definitely, it was an all-star game. It was, I wouldn't say it was more relaxed. Like, yes, it's still showcase and go show like how good of a player you are. But it's definitely something where you connect with both the teams, no matter what. Like, I knew pretty much a decent amount of the guys who are on the West squad with us. Like we have Caleb Bonimer, he's committed to UVA as well. He's like, he's nuts. That's like, he's pretty good. So like I um, played with a couple of them during summer, played against them. So like Charlie Bates, he's like just another name off the top of my head. He was on my PDP team. Also played with me at States play in the fall as well. So he's another States play guy. Um, what else? Just playing interactions, they were great. Food was really good. Perfect Game is just definitely one of those companies that, like, hooks you up. So, I love games. They were awesome. Home Run Derby was insane. Like, I think it was – I know Cade went out and won it all, but it was, like, Cade versus Dante. Dante, I also played with that stage play. But um, it was it was awesome there. I'm sure I loved it. I think what King of Juco was there, you know, so hitting yes. softball bat to the stands as well. Yes. Uh, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, know. baseball bat bros and King of Juco were both out there during that week. I think they were there for the All Star game, which was like a couple of days. Was it okay? Before we had all our stuff there too. Yeah, because I saw uh, I follow like baseball bat bros, King of Juco, uh, Disarm. I know all those. Yeah, guys Disarm was out there too. Um, all those different content creators, you know, just you know, get a lot of content on you guys. But you know, looking at you know PDP, the Team USA experience, states play, PG All American area code. You know, a lot of those rosters have a lot of the same kids on those teams. I mean, you mentioned Bonimer, who's one of your artillery teammates. I think Noah Franco has been a part of a lot of those events with you as well. Yeah, through he was on a bunch PDP of these, with me too. Yeah, you know, you know, through a lot of these different experiences that you've had, a lot of these different events. What have been some of those relationships you've been able to build across the country? Um. Okay, so definitely coming from Colorado, there wasn't really a lot of other kids at the events. So I definitely had to be a little bit more social and go out and really introduce myself because another, like like they said in the summer, just wasn't really known that much, you know? 
but it's like if I get comfortable around you guys, I'll be talking. I could talk the house up. So it was it was definitely one of those. I had to step out of comfort zone a little bit, but I'm glad I have really because creating those relationships with those guys has been amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. And hopefully, you know, years down the road, you'll be playing in major league ball fields, representing major league team, you know, going up, talking to some of those guys you have those, you know, year, years long relationships with. But um, I guess kind of moving on from the whole, you know, personal showcase side of things to travel baseball. Obviously, this is the PRD series. So we got to make sure we give eyes mm-hmm. our artillery, you know, a little bit of love. So can, can oh, yeah, your travel baseball experience going from maybe regional there in Colorado to getting connected with artillery. Take us through what this travel baseball experience has been like. Right. So like 13U, 14U really stayed vocal, didn't get myself out there because I didn't really know these events or were like available to me just in general. Um, but starting my freshman year of high school with the Colorado Baseball Academy out here in Colorado Springs, they're like a 15, 10 minute drive away from my house. So I could go in really whenever, hit if I needed to, work out. Uh, Steve Lockett, who owns the company and, like, runs, like, all our stuff, he ta- he's coached me all four years of high school so far, and he's been amazing. Like, he's the one that kind of started slowly, helped me out with the college process. Um, like, he got me in contact with Wichita State, uh, Florida State, University of Miami. Who else do we have? Um, oh, LSU. ASU when Jason Kelly was at ASU. Um, I know there's a couple other colleges I can't think of, um, but he definitely started that slowly for me. So um, that helped out a lot. And he really taught me how to learn, both grow as a player and like know how to use my body. Cause I used to be just all arm, didn't know how to use my legs. Cause I'm like, I'm like almost like an all leg body. Like, I have, like, a pretty short torso compared to my legs. So, it's definitely definitely something that, like, clicked for me when he came out and helped. Because he also, he's also the pitching coach there. But another guy I have to give a shout-out to is Peyton Taylor. He kind of took on really the high school, high school part of it. We'll get that in a little bit. But he's also been my coach with me in travel ball. And I played with Carl Baseball Academy up to my – really up to the summer. And that's when I decided, that's when Ajay reached out, I think, a couple weeks after I committed. He was like, hey, do you have a summer team? Do you have a travel ball team this summer? I told him no. He's like, you get, we got a bunch of other UVA commits on the team. I think we have five others. Like Bryce was one of them, Bonimer, uh, Luke Dickerson, Sean James. Uh, who else am I missing? I, I know more. I, just, I can't think about it right now, you know? But honestly, Ajay really put me on the spot when it came to summer. Like that tournament, like I said earlier in the podcast, we were at North Carolina. I was with Artillery during that tournament, and he's helped out tremendously. Like, talk well, whether it's talking to agents, help me talk to agents or advisors, you know, just he's been great. Yeah. No. Yeah, Ajay cool is dude. Definitely- I love him. Yeah. I have a very, very big relationship type of dude. You know, I've always, you always hear great things about him when it comes to, you know, talking to coaches, like you said, talking, you know, helping out with the advisor selection process as well. And I mean, I feel like he knows every, every person in the country when it comes to the baseball industry. So, um, you know, he's always, you know, texting me about different guys. And, you know, I feel like every time I ask him a question about one person, he, he knows him. He also knows three of the guy's friends. Um, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. Like, 
Yeah, Ajay's a great dude. But, you know, going from the more of the regional side of things there in Colorado to the national scene, you know, what were some of those biggest surprises that you saw going from more regional to national? Competition. Like, competition was just so much better. Like, whether it was just because Colorado just – I don't know. Whether it was just coming out of Colorado not seeing that type of competition. But that was definitely the biggest thing. And travel, of course. Like, I've traveled a lot, but this summer was definitely, like, a lot more than I expected. Yeah, for sure. I've uh, I've talked to a couple of guys who have been in, like, similar positions as you, and they're telling me, I think, I was talking to one guy last year who he had not slept in his own bed at home for 35 days. It's like mm-hmm. guys like, you know, guys like you who are going across all those different events, you know, traveling all over the place. Um, I guess question about that, I guess, you know, for a guy who let's say class of 25 next summer is going to kind of go through that same experience. What would be that advice you have for a guy who's about to go week after week, traveling the different parts of the country, potentially going overseas as well. What would be that advice for them? Really just prepare yourself physically and mentally, like, there's like mentally, if I didn't have like the like that strong point I have now, I'm not sure. Like it's almost like it's almost like a little hint of college, essentially, if you want to think about it that way. Because you've gone from home a lot. I mean, the most I was home at one time was either two weeks at the beginning of summer, or a week before area code and a week after area area code. I think so. Because San Diego is about a two hour flight for me from Colorado, but definitely prepare yourself mentally and physically because it can be a grind, you know, make sure you're getting all your recovery and nutrition, sleep. Sleep is definitely the biggest thing. Like no matter where I was, I was trying to get like eight to 10 hours of sleep. I know sometimes a little rough because the time changes like PDP that first day we were there, you know, two hour time difference. I think we had a, worked out at like 8 a.m. in the morning so it really felt like 6 a.m. back at home so really just prepare yourself that way you know yeah just so make sure about- just make sure you're ready to go yeah so you talk about sleeping are you a big airplane sleeper like are you able to do that or you have to oh yeah you have to be in a bed somewhere i i can pretty much like like i can't not in restaurants or like i can sleep in the car a little bit can't sleep in the airport but like once that plane takes off and like you get settled, I'm out. Okay. All right. Like, um, where were we? Shoot. I can't remember. I don't know. It's like I don't know, it's like the movement of the plane when it takes off. But it's like I had that feeling like once I know we're off the ground and in the air, it's like, okay, I can sleep. <laughs> I'll, sleep I'll probably I'll probably sleep for like a good hour, hour and a half too. Yeah. You get a little bit of so, those a little bit of naps in there. Yes, like on the way back from Taiwan, I think I told I slept a total of five hours on the plane. How how was, long was the flight? On the way there, it was thirteen. On the way back, it was eleven. It's it's yeah. a it's a hefty flight. It's a long flight. Yeah, you got to make sure you got some podcast or something to be listening, mm-hmm. book to read, kind of make that time go by a little bit faster. But yeah, um, talking about those relationships again, you know, we brought you know bring up Bonimer. Bryce Message, who's, uh, you know, one of your future, you know, artillery teammates, but also one of your future teammates at UVA, Um, all those different guys that you had the experience of, you know, meeting this past year, guys who are at your level when it comes to top tier talent in the country, guys going to play at that power five level. 
when you're having conversations with those guys and building relationships with them, are you, how are you picking their brain? Like, what are some of those conversations looking like? How are you guys talking about maybe pitch grips or pregame routine or mental cues or, you know, whatever it ends up being, what are some of those conversations looking like and how are you picking their brains? Um, I will say it definitely varies from person to person. Like, one person I really got close with was Sean James. He taught me all the summer. He's also going – he's a future UVA teammate with me as well. So, really getting to know him was great. Just had that little pitcher-catcher connection. connection. That was key to have. Um, when it came to, like, pitch grips, stuff like that, it really – like, because pitches are definitely something I still need to work on. You're going to always have to work on no matter what. But these guys, theirs was definitely a lot more dialed in, like throw out a lot more consistently. And really just talking about those cues made such a difference. Like like I said, using my hips earlier, like getting in my hips more. Like I think Bryce is a great job of that. Just being able, like he's smooth. And he's like slow and just boom, that's like slow, 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 and boom, just like right at people, you know? So yeah, because he has a, he's like about six four-ish. Definitely a lot, not as does away as much as me, because and he almost throws just as hard. So it's kind of like your build. How are you able to throw just as hard as me? And there's so much stuff that can like contribute to that. Yeah, um, but you know, kind of looking like looking back on your travel baseball experience, I know with you being a class of 24 that your travel experience has probably come to an end. I'm gonna go ahead and assume, uh, but look. Yeah on it you know playing for artillery when you're playing some of the top teams in the country going to some of those personal showcases like area code going to team usa and stuff like that who has been the toughest hitter that you've had to face so far in your career oh <laughs> good question um i faced a lot of guys but definitely i don't know i know someone worked in ab against me one at one time think it was I got I got to think about this for a minute but Ty stopped the scene when I pitched against him in WWBA uh, when he was on Prime National like he definitely worked ABs with me or Derek do Derek Curiel yeah I'll probably go with Derek like I walked him twice but if it's a ball off he'll take it and just like no that's not my pitch yeah call it a ball or like although I think I struck him out once but I walked him both the other times, so a little more timid. But by far, he's definitely the hardest hitter for me to hit. I mean, face. Okay. Because, so is- I mean, he didn't get a hit, but it was still like he worked the at bats well, you know, fouled off good pitches, everything like that. Yeah. So let's say you're facing Derek again, I guess maybe when you're in college. I, I can't remember where he's committed to, but let's say you're facing LSU. Him LSU. So you know, mm-hmm. let's say you're facing him in college, you know, let's say two springs from now. What's that approach going into that AB facing Derek? I'm gonna go get him early. It's that simple. Like I know I can like I know I can compete against them. And we're both I mean both of us are gonna be just as good, if not better, in these night in like next two springs. So definitely just go at them. Cause I know I can go at them like that type of way and dominate. No, we're not dominate, but like definitely challenge them and work something out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, last last travel baseball question here before we dig into the high school scene. So yeah, you know, overarch, overarching question here, playing regional mm-hmm. ball in Colorado, playing for artillery, going through Team USA and all these different showcases across the country. What would be some of those favorite memories that come to mind 
looking back on these past couple of years of travel baseball? Ooh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I I loved every moment, but um, probably like winning big games, just being in big situations, you know, and just being around the guys overall, like. With the artillery this summer, it was probably one of the best teams I've had connection-wise. And I just – I love playing with them. Okay. All right. Short and simple answer there. I like it. You know, kind of, you know, taking the more, I guess, you know, overarching answer there. But um, take it, going ahead, moving from travel baseball to the high school scene, you head into your senior year this fall. I guess kind of take us through your high school experience so far, freshman, sophomore season, freshman, sophomore, and junior seasons. Kind of take us through that high school experience um, these past three right. seasons. Yeah, so freshman year, um, Cornell, I mean, Cornell is a great school. I love it there. But um, definitely not one of the more competitive baseball schools we have here in Colorado, or like Colorado Springs in general. But uh, freshman year, coach leaves, like not during the season, but like winter, fall season, coach leaves. We get the assistant head coach from one of the local high schools. He was thankful enough and great enough to fill in my freshman year and just help coach that season. And we had a short season for our freshman year. Like, COVID was happening, you know, still online. Like, we kind of had, like, a hybrid schedule. Two days you'd be home online. Two days you'd be in school. Um, Right when baseball season started, the whole school, like, like they noticed kids were, like, getting sick more whole school decided we're going to go online for two weeks. So we had two weeks of games get taken away from us. And it, it sucked. So it was when we couldn't practice as a team, stuff like that. Wasn't, wasn't really the best season overall. We had a good team and it was definitely led by a lot of seniors. We had a lot of seniors that year. But um, really just tough season there, both because of COVID, new coach, and the shortened season. So as we and we have a short season in general. We only played twenty three games. So compared to like ooh, I don't know. There's I know there's a couple other schools that are like they play like 30, 40 ish games. And I'm like, dang, you guys play like a decent amount, you know? Um sophomore year, coach that filled in our freshman year went back to that high school he left for the head I think the head coach job there. Um, so we didn't have a coach from fall into winter. Got a coach for the winter, and something happened with him. He had to leave. And then my one of my, my local travel coaches, Peyton Taylor, he was really just – because I was with CBA for like a good solid year then now. He was passionate enough, grateful enough to really take over the high school position here at Coronado. And he's been my coach since then. And definitely because he came from Vista Ridge. He was already coaching at a high school. He came from Vista Ridge High School. And it was definitely newer to him because the competition wasn't as good as Vista was. But he's been great for us so far. Like, he's been able to redo our field, like, almost brand new. We've got a batter's eye now. Bases are even. Our, our, pitchers, our pitchers mount and home plate. Like, home plate used to be facing left center or, like, so I was, like, left part of center. And the and the rubber was facing dead middle. So, it was, like, you almost had to be throwing, like, outside if you wanted to throw it right down the middle. Yeah. So, he's been – honestly, yeah, there's, like, really nothing really bad to say about him. He's been great for me. But he really has just been great for me this high school career so far. And he's staying for my senior year. Hopefully, he's going to be staying for a little bit longer. We'll see what happens. But – 
just way take took over that position and just stuck with it has been amazing. All right. So with you heading into your senior spring here in a couple months, I guess kind of take us through what those expectations are for yourself, for the team, and with the coach, you know, being what year three for him, kind of take us through the expectations yep. for this Coronado team. Um, I mean, as a team and just one of my expectations, I think we should go ahead and win the league. Each year I've been there with Coach Payton, we've lost our league by one game. And it's been the same team each time. So it's definitely one of those like like main goal we've had. Like even the fresh even the class twenty four has been there the whole time with me. I think the last time our high school won league for baseball was either twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. And it's really the whole time I've been here, it's been the goal for me at least just to win league. Like we could we could possibly have the potential to win state. But when we play, when we say it's not just like our regional car, Springs is four A schools. So we'll, I know there's a couple four A schools like up in Denver, Lutheran, I think Rock Canyon's one, one of them, and they're I wouldn't say they're loaded, but like they definitely got some dudes on the team compared to us. So team goal definitely win league, and then for me, really just com- contribute to the team the best I can. Like during high school, I hit so like I think last year. Last high school, almost died at 400. Had, like, three bombs. I can, I can hit a little bit, so. Okay. All right. You know, and just really pitch to the best ability I can, hit to the best ability I can, and just help the team out, really, the best yeah. I can, you know. So you, you talk about how that goal is going to be to win the league. You said you guys have the aspirations to potentially win state if everything goes right. You guys kind of yeah. take us through. Oh, yeah. In Colorado, what does that look like for the state tournament? I know every state's different. Like, you have to win your league to make the tournament. Is there certain regions? Mm-hmm. I guess, what's that look like in Colorado? So, they you'll if you don't have any leagues, top 32 teams will go ahead and play in, like, the bracket play for 4A. And because I think there's, there's the 5A state championship, 4A state championship, 3A state championship. And one of the three A schools, Eaton High School, I think they've won it. Like Walker Martin, you probably heard of the name. He was at Eaton last year, got drafted this past year in like second, early second round. He's really, he's a dog. So he's a really good two A championship and then one A state championship. So they get like the top thirty two teams from like all those leagues, but and they all have their own state separate separate state championships. So if you win your league, you're automatically in. Like, I think Canyon City, they beat, they won our league. So they bumped out, I think, the number one, not number one, 31, 31st seed or the 32nd seed, something like that. Sorry, someone just called me there. But, oh, yeah. uh, um, yeah, and they go ahead and go through all those bracket play games. We have, like, this all-star park up in Denver, all the turf, just overall beautiful park out there. So. And then this state championship really just goes on from there. Okay, so you talk about how your car – how do I say it? Coronado? Yeah, Coronado. Okay, so with your Coronado high school team, you know, you consistently being that second-best team in the league, I'm sure that competition level is looking somewhat decent there in your area. Take us through what that competition level looks like, you know, on the week-to-week. When you're on the mound, what are some of those hitters looking like? What's just that competition level in your area? Um, I'd say it's pretty average. Like – You'll have the guys who can stand out, like one or two, three guys who stand out on their high school team. But other than that, really, it's pretty much average. Just the 
the region or where our league is really doesn't have like the best athletes. I mean, we have good players, like without doubt. But when it came to baseball, it's just not the best competition compared if you were to drive like 20 minutes north up to near Monument, Castle Rock, where like Douglas County, I think they had Max Stanley. He's committed to BYU. Hunter Gotchel, he's going uh, Hawaii. Finley Bates, San Diego State. Um, it's just not – it's average competition, you know. And, like, being at, like, being, like, at the caliber I am, it's a little bit harder to, like, get in the mindset, like, like I do – like I did this summer. It's a little bit harder. But still, you just go out and compete no matter what the competition is. Yeah. So from the sounds of it, you know, it sounds like you have a pretty close relationship with that head coach. You know, you talk about how he came in there your sophomore year. I guess for mm-hmm. you being a senior, take us through how you're planning on stepping up as a leader. Have you been a leader in previous seasons as well? Kind of take us through that leadership role, you know, in that locker room. Okay. Yeah. So really, I've been a captain on the team since sophomore year because once the senior, seniors left my freshman year, we had two other seniors my sophomore year and then two other two seniors my junior year last year but they weren't really the best so it was kind of like juniors were almost like the seniors for the team but um I still I still love all the guys to death don't get me wrong but um definitely just I'm gonna be more vocal this year like last year wasn't as loud didn't really get into people like the way I wanted to and I think if I like step up that way, we could mentally, our team could be a lot better. And we both know, like all of us know, like we can get stuff done pretty much. Okay. So last question when it comes to high school baseball, and again, this is going to come about what's for travel ball overarching question here, looking back on your freshman, sophomore, junior seasons, what have been maybe some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think about your time at Coronado so far? Um, shoot. Okay. Freshman year, I threw a – I mean, we lost the game, unfortunately. But freshman year, threw a no-hitter through seven innings, reached the pitch count on the top of the eighth. Our reliever came, came in and just – they just started to hit him a little bit, lost one nothing. But overall, just throwing that – they had like 14 strikeouts that came too. But still throwing those seven no-hit innings was like insane for me, you know? So that's the highlight of freshman year. Sophomore year, I uh, pitched this one game. The score was like 5 nothing, something like that. Through five shutout, only gate, didn't give up any runs, gave up two hits, Got, left a man on second, I believe. But a uh, pitcher comes in, he rolls up a double play ball. We do good there. I went on that game, I went two for two with a hit by pitch and a walk. First AB, I had a walk. Pitch, me and the pitcher were cut. We were, we were buddies. Like, I almost got you. He's like, I almost got you there. I'm like, eh, maybe. Second AB hit a bomb. Third AB got hit. I mean, I know it wasn't intentional, but like, still scared me up a little bit in the back. And then I fourth at bat, hit a, hit a three run bomb to make it five nothing. I think that was the score. That was the bit. That was probably one of the bigger moments for me that year. Like, sophomore year was definitely one of the better pitching years for me, without a doubt. Or, like, overall, like, one of the better years I had. Um, it was another game. Went down in Canyon City. There was six, I think, one run, six one-run innings. 
like only gave up one run through six innings pretty much and dominated that game as well. So that was, was that, yeah, sophomore year, but junior year. Oh, it's like so much stuff has happened, you know, yeah, I'm sure. I'm like sure going back and just like really going through all this is a, is a lot, but, um, Freshman year, not freshman year, junior year was definitely, I was a lot closer to my buddies, so playing against them was definitely a lot more fun. Um, I will say hitting two PRs in back-to-back weeks was pretty insane for me. So I hit 96 one weekend and hit 97 the next weekend. And, you know, call, like call out early April, I, I didn't really think I was going to be getting up to that that early. Yeah, for sure. So, um, really, that was probably one of the highlights I had this 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 spring so so i guess we're gonna take a pause here for one question when it comes to baseball you being a resident of colorado obviously everyone i think in the sports world right now has their eyes on the colorado football team coach prime you oh yeah of colorado what's that exciting i know you're not you know i know you know you're not i guess associated with colorado but with you being a resident there are you seeing all that excitement going on how excited are you for coach prime and you know what's going on in colorado right now it's so cool finally see like a college team of ours like do good for once because you know their record last year i think was like what two and eleven yeah it wasn't super great not not that good but with dion coming in like when we first heard the news last year we're like there's no way he's coming and he gets in gets here and just he's literally blowing everybody away so it's awesome to see another team like another college team here other an air force like air force great football team just great overall university and academy um it's great yeah it's awesome yeah well paul skeens came from uh came from air force there before heading yes out. i uh, yeah, i, I, I didn't realize kaz who about him for a little bit coach kaz he's the head coach for okay. uh, air force academy okay and yeah yeah i didn't realize I, I didn't realize air force was in colorado but you know, I, mm-hmm. I knew I had to throw that question in there with you being a Colorado resident, but that was uh, that excitement of, you know, kind of seeing Coach Prime and how Colorado's football team's doing. But yeah. uh, moving into the recruiting process, I see you wearing that UVA shirt right now. Let's dig yep. into what got you there. Take us through that recruiting process, you know, when to get started. When was it that some of those Division One coaches and Division One programs started reaching out to you? Um, So they didn't – they first really started reaching out to me freshman springish freshman summer like there's like the little not love was like bull universities are like slowly slowly like University of Miami Florida State which is how state LSU um where's another team Oklahoma State as well ASU when Jason Kelly was there um that was like just like regionally a lot closer compared to like UVA and Clemson all those guys but Really, recruiting process kind of stayed slow for me until future games. Like I earlier mentioned, I mentioned earlier. Um, that's when the college recruiting process really jumped off for me. You know, like the two, like top five, I think I had from that was UVA at one, Oregon, LSU, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt, and Oklahoma State. So that, those are definitely the big five I definitely wanted to look at after future games. So that's really when college recruiting like jumped off for me. But like when it comes to other kids now, it can it can vary with everybody. Like I could say definitely get yourself out there early 
just so you just so they know who you are you know what i mean and make make your decision whenever you need you know you can decommit like decommitting i know i wouldn't say big but it's like it happens you know kids might commit at 13 14 years old and that's something that's a it's a little this uh decision they're making that can, can impact their future heavily you know so really commitment is up to you whenever you and your family are ready i think that's the best time to do it yeah so i kind of want to separate this next question into two separate parts here so before futures games you know you're talking to some of those different schools schools across the country really i know you said it was more regional but they're there i mean going there's there's some other schools yeah yeah lsu to wichita state uh, arizona state all those different schools you know kind of take us through some of those initial conversations in terms of maybe questions that you're asking those coaches maybe some questions they're asking you just to get to know you more as a person and then after futures games how did those conversations evolve a little bit? Um, okay, so like the first conversation before future games, still a young 14, 15 year old kid, you know, not really knowing much about the recruiting process, just talking to coaches, getting to know me as a person and just really make that connection relationship early. And I'd send them video clips of me in a bullpen or me in a game. Like, hey, because, you know, I think it was, yeah, September 1st. I think is when it is, is when con- coaches, except for so your junior year, where con- coaches can finally contact you. Because I was only able to send them text messages. They can't respond to those text messages back. But they could, I could call them whenever. They could like answer whenever. They just couldn't call me. So it was definitely some like a scheduled regiment that I, you had to have talking to them that early. Oh, we're good? Yeah, you're good. Um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so that's that's definitely one of the things I had early on. But after that was they could text me, call me. I could just talk to them whenever, and that helped out tremendously. So. All right, and then after Futures Games? Oh, yeah, after Future Games, that's when they could reach out to me, like I said. Um only went on two visits out of those five. Went to UVA first, and went to Oregon after that. And then I went to Jupiter last year. Actually, I know it's kind of a more of a twenty, like a senior event. But I went with CBA with Car, not Colorado Baseball. Okay, with CBA out of California. Went out there with them. Still uncommitted because I decided I wanted to make my choices with colleges after that. And then really just narrowed it down to UVA and committed on October seventeenth, the twenty twenty two. Okay. All right. So earlier you said that, you know, when after the Futures Games, when all these different schools from across the country are reaching out, you mentioned five schools there. I think it was what, Oregon, mm-hmm. UVA, I think you said Oklahoma State, LSU, and there's another school mixed in there as well, I believe. But, you know, yep. going through talking to all those different schools and narrowing it down to those five, what were some of those key things that you were looking for throughout that process, talking to all these different schools across the country? Um, Definitely just like that player to coach relationship because when you go to college, you're going to be there for three to four years. And you got to know that you're going to have a steady, like strong relationship, both with the coaches and some of the players. Like I talked to a couple of commits from each one before that and just under like had their, asked their opinion on it, stuff like that. But um, definitely that connection relationship with the coaches was a big thing. Um, how they could develop me as a player was huge. Because, like, you know, you're still there for three years and 
I wrote the draft would be that whenever you graduate or decide to not go your senior year and get drafted that third year, just the player development and giving me the best resources I could have to get myself in the top shape and best version of myself at that draft. So you narrowed it down there to UVA, take a visit there, take a visit to, I think you said Oregon too. Take us through what those visits look like. You know, you're going on, you're recruit, the coaches are wanting you bad. Take us through what a visit, a day in the life looks like for a collegiate recruit going on a visit and just kind of seeing the campus. Um, Okay, so I will say I went on my Virginia visit with my dad, flew in that Thursday, got settled at the hotel Friday, went to breakfast, really just got to see the town of Charlottesville a little bit. Coach Dickinson took us to practice, stuff like that. So like the UVA practice, got to see the players, talked with them when I was out there. Got there, got really talked with the freshmen the most. Um, one of the guys who I talked with really like kind of like cool thing I can say, like how I talked with the most was Kyle Seal, guy who recently just got drafted from them. He was definitely one of the cooler guys I was able to talk to. But um, practice, lunch, you know, go out to dinner that next evening, just really talk and just absorb everything in, you know. That was definitely the biggest part of the visits. And I'll be going out again later this October with the whole class of 2024. Just see everybody there. Because I don't really know that. Like, I know, like, the artillery guys who are on there with us. But other than that, I don't really know any of the 2024 guys, except for Aiden Harris, who was at States play with me and the All-American game. So going through that visit, you know, you're deciding between Oregon, deciding between UVA, and potentially maybe – there were some other schools mixed in there as well at the final moments, but what was that final click? Maybe the visit, maybe something else. What was that final click that made you realize, okay, Virginia is the spot where I want to play my college baseball? Um, Felt like home. Like I know it's, it's far from home. Don't get me wrong. But it just, when I was there, I kind of just wasn't tense. It just felt like I was home almost. Like didn't have to worry about anything. Wasn't stressed. Just felt like home, and I just had a little. I just had a click there with the coaches as well. So that's what clicked. All right. So you said you're going on another visit there coming up here in a couple of weeks. You know, you got that mm-hmm. official visit going to go on. I'm sure you'll probably go through a media day, put on those unis for the first time, and get some pictures taken. Go through national signing day in a couple months as well. What's that yep. excitement for that official visit for national signing day to make it official? Kind of take us through just that excitement you have for those two events. Um, really just make it official. Like with the visit, I'll start with the visit. Just get to see everybody again, get to see people I haven't met before. And just, just the excitement to put on a jersey, take those pictures, you know, hang out with everybody. Honestly, it'd be awesome. And then with that signing day, it's just something I've been anticipating for a while. Because like, if I, when I made this decision, I'm like, I have to make sure this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go, you know? But that's definitely something I've been anticipating for and can't wait for. Yeah. So earlier you kind of dug into the relationships that you have there with your future UVA teammates. Obviously, five, six, seven guys from that artillery roster are in that recruiting class. For you, what do you think the bet? I guess what do you think the benefits are for you having you know pre-existing relationships with a good chunk of your recruiting class already? Um, I don't know how to explain it really. It's just kind of like. I like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's weird because 
like the other guys, yeah, I haven't met. So that's definitely one of like the new things, create a new relationship with them. Just because they're going to be probably, they're going to be my future teammates, you know, um, compared to the other guys who I've got to talk with a little bit this summer and see how they play on and off the field. So it should be fun. Should be, it's going to be new. Yeah, I'm sure. So you kind of stick it on that relationship side of things. You know, you talk about how you felt like home going to UVA. You had a good, strong relationship with the coaches. Take us through, you know, after committing, going through and being less than a year away from stepping on campus. How has that relationship with the UVA coaching staff evolved the past, you know, year or so? Um, Honestly, they've like, when I talked to Coach Drew, uh, he was at, down in Atlanta with WWBA scouting some guys and just connecting with the guys who's already committed. Um, it was just, honestly, it's gotten stronger, you know? Like, both from a player-wise and person-wise, just I've matured, everyone else has matured. It's just everything's just gotten a little closer. Yeah. So kind of looking ahead there, too, this will be my last baseball segment before we kind of dig into the personal side of things to end it out. But, you know, earlier you talked about, you know, the difference between closing and the difference between starting. You know, you looking mm-hmm. at your head from now, I guess, where do you see yourself at that collegiate level there, maybe your freshman year? Do you see yourself coming in as a starter? Do you see yourself maybe solely focusing on that closing role? Kind of take us through where you're at at this moment in time. Honestly, wherever, because I've learned I can adapt, like, pretty fast as a closer. Like, I think there was one, there was one instance with USA I went out there like, hey, get ready to pitch for the seventh inning. I'm like, all right, cool. It was like bottom five or top six. I can't remember. Start rolling out, do my bands. Catcher comes in. He's like, Trey, you got to get hot. Like, you got to get going now. So it was one of those like, okay, get hot fast. Do what you got to do. You know, it was, it's new, but it was definitely something like I know. I can play whatever role the team needs me to play in. Yeah. So what what is that adjustment going from a starter to like you know a closer now that you're kind of you know get start still getting used to it? But what is that adjustment going from a starter knowing when the game's going to start, when you're getting on the mound? Take us through maybe that pre pre mound routine or what exactly that adjustment is going from a starter to a closer, you know, to to back to a starter. Okay, so I'll start from the starter's point, starting point. I've kind of started like my whole life, really just because I've been able to go long innings. But really knowing the set time, when you're going to be pitching, when that first pitch is, stuff like that, it's good. Because I kind of like – I kind of go in like 15-minute increments, you know. 15 minutes, stretch and throw. 15 minutes, maybe stretch. And then 15 minutes to throw. And then about 10 minutes prior to the game, don't do the bullpen. I'll go in depth for this one. Kind of – Redo the bands, get the arm, blood flow back to the arm a little bit. Um, once I get hot and ready to like get on the mound, start going through pitches. I'll go three from the wind up, three three four seams, three two seams, three curve balls, three sliders. Sliders in the process still. Three sliders, three change ups, both just to get the feel for it early, and just to see if I can get it in the zone. And then go two from the wind up, and then just two with every pitch from the wind not wind up from the stretch. And then really just get hot with between those times, you know, just go out and compete after that. Um, so you talk, yeah. when you were kind of digging through, you know what, you know, going through that warm up, you talk about some of those different pitches that you're throwing, said that slider is in development. When you mm-hmm. do go about developing your pitches, adding a new pitch to the repertoire, take us through how you go about that. I know some pitches are different. 
how do you go about developing new pitches? Just play catch with it. That's really the best way I can do it because obviously this summer wasn't able to get in like to a pitching coach the best I wanted to and like get like a video or like spin metrics, stuff like that. It's definitely a little bit harder just because I was gone so long. But really playing catch with something and getting a feel for it throughout the whole summer. Like the best it's been was probably at WWBA and at USA that last game against Korea. So just really playing catch with it. Same with my changeup. Like changeup's good, but it's either on one day or it's off another day, you know? Yeah. So I guess take, dig in a little bit deeper into your pitching repertoire. Take us through what that, you know, the fastball, you said you're topping out at 97. Take us through your just your pitching repertoire in terms of maybe grips or mental cues for each pitch. What is that repertoire looking like? Yeah, here, I'll go grab a ball real quick. I'll, okay. I, can, right. I can do grips. <laughs> oh. Uh, where's a good one here? I'll grab this one. Not the, not the cleanest, not the cleanest ball, but it's definitely something. So, uh, four seam, I'll just probably hold it like a traditional four seam, you know, just really think about just throwing it through the catcher's head as hard as I can. You know, I used to have a really long arm path as a kid, but it's really shortened up this summer and just overall during all high school. So really just think of getting in my hip the best I can and, throwing it through the catcher's head pretty much, you know? Because if, if you try to aim stuff, you're just not going to – you're not going to be at your best and yeah. you're not going to hit spots like you want. Um, two seam, it's, I'll, I'll use it every now and then. It's definitely something I'd, like, throw occasionally just because, like, see, like, if lefties up, want to run it away, I'll have it go away, away from their barrel somewhat. Um, what's another one? Curveball. This is like the first really secondary pitch I've learned. I think I've thrown it since like 12, 13. And I just think fastball out the hand the whole time. And then last minute, think of pulling like a a lamp, like a lamp string down. You know, just get that like fastball look and then just die right after. Um, sorry, slider. That's still in the mix a little bit. I saw a video of Paul Skeens holding his. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and try this. And this one somewhat towards my two seam, but I shifted a little bit. This definitely has been me like the best feel I've had for it. So that's been working out good. And then change up, like I said, that's also in the process. Just traditional change up, thumb under, and just pronate out the hand early. That's about it. Okay. So kind of want to dig into your mechanics here as well. Take us through from the windup, from the stretch. What are those mechanics looking like? And has and as you have kind of bursted onto the scene this past, you know, 12, 13 months or so, how have those mechanics maybe adjusted as well? Um, last summer, they've changed tremendously. I will say from the windup, I have kind of a fast tempo with my windup. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of gets my body going a little bit faster. Because, you know, as a parachute faster, you're going to have to move fast anyway. Um really this summer I've just tried to tell myself to sit in my like my back heel as long as possible and almost show my butt to the catcher if you want to say that you know because then that keeps me in the ground longer arm can get on time and I'm just not using all upper body I'm using my full body to its best ability you know 
Um, from the from the stretch, however, that's definitely needs some polishing because my back knee, like just overall, even from the wind up and the stretch, my back knee collapses early. And that's definitely something I'm working on right now. But from the stretch, I kind of already had it collapsed. And when I go up, all that area supposed to go up. This would like probably not collapse, but it just stays where it's at when I'm in a stretch. So if I can fix that, I can definitely be a lot more consistent from the stretch. All right. So kind of moving, I guess you, you talk about how your back knee collapses there when you're coming from the stretch. Does that affect your ability to try to pick off runners at first and second base? A little bit. I've I've noticed it a little bit because I've kind of thought about it. It's like if I'm already loaded in the hip somewhat, I can kind of spin, kind of pick off, but it could definitely be a lot quicker if it wasn't so class like that. But another thing I, I, sh I should have mentioned a little bit earlier, both from the windup and the stretch is I just have a light arm action. Like when I land, when they're front, like initial front foot contact, most guys have, they're between like 90 and probably 45, something like that. When I land, I'm either right, like parallel shoulder width or like a little bit lower. So my, really my arm's late and that's, Really, I could probably gain maybe a mile an hour from that if I can just get my body synced up. Okay, so want to move into arm care here a little bit. I know with you, yeah, you finished USA baseball experience going into the fall. I'm sure, kind of maybe at this moment in time, you might be going through a deload process. You know, probably ramping back up there in the spring as well. Kind of take mm -hmm. through arm care off season, going through deload and ramp up in season as well, going from outing to outing, maybe how even moving from uh, closing to starter affects that as well. Take us through arm care off season, in season, in season. Kind of what does that look like? Um, in season, what I really did for arm care was whatever I did for my free throwing routine when it came to like bands and stuff is what I would do after, like right after I was done throwing, do the same exercises. Everything is one set, but when I pre-throw, it's only five reps. After, it's about like 12 to 15. Just get blood flow back going, get those muscles firing again, and not just in one way. Um, another thing I learned when I was on Team USA, our trainer, Josie, she was, she, was doing, she was great with us. She did cupping, scraping, dry needling. Just name, name something, and she probably did it. We started doing like these manual things to get range of motion back, and I, I did that this off-season. And it's helped tremendously. And, like, I recovered so much faster from USA. So, you know, I was pitching every other day or, like, every third day, you could say. So, definitely recovery has been – and arm care has been helpful for me because that I've also just not really had a set regimen for that stuff. Yeah, so going through the experience of cupping, obviously everyone – when you get cupped, everyone looks at you, you got those big red dots on, on your body, I guess – I've never really talked to somebody about it. I guess where, what benefits did you see from cupping? What exactly does it feel like? Take us through that whole experience. Um, I will say I didn't really get cupping when I was out there just because I wasn't sure what days I was throwing. Cause you know, I got, we had to be ready whenever essentially as a bullpen guy, but um, like the cupping, she did somewhat of a cupping. She did like sports massages. So she had like this rubber cup and like, it like sucks into your back and should like massage whatever area it was and it leaves the cupping marks. But I think what it does, it, it, it bruises the spot, obviously, but it's getting blood flow to that area a lot more. 
Okay. You know, like all that, all the bad old blood gets flushed out. New blood comes in, replaces it, and just recover a little bit quicker. So, all right. So, looking at your game's entirety, so from the stretch, from the windup, holding on runners, I guess even the development you've had recently as well. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? Um. All right. I would say his first big frame, standing out six five. 235 just overall just a big presence on the mound um fastball command is there when it needs to be uh 94 97 usually if i go deep in games i'll be 90 95 can show that it can hold velo for a long time um has two good off-speed pitches mainly only showed two this mainly only showed a two-pitch mix this summer so adding that third in a lot more could be another plus to me. Um, and maybe just dialing a changeup almost, you know? Like three pitches is good, but ideally I'd want to get to four. Um, I've really shown I can get out of tough situations, whether it came to hits, walking guys, or really whenever. So just overall, well, well-rounded. Just There's a bunch of key things I could touch up on. Other than that, I should be ready. Okay. Everything should so, be good. All right. So I've got one last baseball question here for you before we end it out. Go kind of that, to that final segment of the personal side of things. You know, you talk about ideally you would like to have, you know, a knockout fourth pitch as well, part of that repertoire. But besides mm-hmm. that, looking into your development here this next year or so before you're stepping foot on campus, what would be some of those key points of emphasis within your development? Um, actually, can you repeat the question? Uh, yeah, so uh, key points of emphasis within your development over the next year before you step on – before, you know, you go into your freshman year. Um, Know what I need to develop. Like, I kind of already have an idea of what I need to develop, but also it brings to the idea of how. Like, how mobility can add to that, just strength training. Let's say mobility – I don't have any mobility, like, at all. It's not not very good. So that's definitely a key point I'll be working on this winter and heading into spring. But definitely it's that just knowing what I need to do and how I'm going to get it done. Okay. Moving into my final segment here on the JCare podcast. Like I said, digging into the personal side of things here to end it out. That way it's, you know, not all business, not all about baseball. First question here, passions beyond the game of baseball. Let's say you had to go take your mind off of something, cope with some stress, or, you know, when you're finally getting back from a long trip away from home, what are some of those passions? What are some of those hobbies that you have beyond baseball? Uh, I love golfing. I will say I love to golf. Uh, actually, I work at one of the local golf courses in Colorado Springs right now. My grandpa used to be a marshal there. So staff knows me a little bit. I know the staff a little bit too. That's definitely something to get my mind off of things. I'm getting back into fishing. Like all my friends here are fish and I've tried to go on with I've tried to go with them when I can. And it's just it's just relaxing, you know. Just cast something out. If you get a fish, it can be pretty exciting. Gotta have a little bit of patience, but honestly, it's those type of stuff I just love to like go ahead and relax in, get my mind off things. And you know, maybe playing PlayStation a little bit with some buddies. Just like just another way to get my mind off of stuff. 
Yeah, of course. So playing golf there in Colorado, is it similar similar to Coors Field? Is that ball flying because of that high elevation? I mean, you could say that. Like every now and then, I have a horrible slice just because of my swig I have with baseball and golf. But um, I haven't I haven't played anywhere else, and I want to. But elevation could definitely play a role in it a little bit because I think we have like for first hole on one of because we have a we have a three we have three nine hole courses where I work at. First hole is a par on one of them. First hole is a par five, like. 430 or like 480 or something this is a long haul so definitely it, it could play a role a little bit that's for sure yeah are there uh i know colorado i've seen, i've never been to colorado i have seen a bunch of pictures when it comes to i mean espn game day when they had the, the mounts in the back playing golf there in colorado is there, are there some pretty scenic views going around i mean playing yes. golf also just being in the state of colorado oh yeah um, with Sakara Springs, we're right on the mountainside. Like Pikes Peak is one of the bigger peaks in the Rocky Mountain Range. We're Pikes say like say this is us here. Pikes Peak is probably like right here. Okay. So we're pretty close to the mountain and just like I kind of take the view for granted since I see it every day. Like once I come back, I was driving to school this morning. This is a, my school is off near the mountain as well. But driving down to the school and I'm like, dude. I am like, I love this view, you know, Yeah. because it goes mountains, like cities, and then out east towards Kansas and like farmland somewhat, you know? Yeah. So how far with you being kind of like in the middle of the Rockies, how far do you have to drive before you get to that farmland? Oh, uh, 20, nah, probably about 30 minutes. Like East Colorado is kind of when the farm starts. So I'd probably say like good 35 minutes. You know, okay, from where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's a, I guess that's a lot closer than what I was expecting. I was expecting you to mm -hmm. say like two or three hours just because, you know, the mountains are so big. But moving yeah. from, you know, your hobbies, your passions beyond the game, kind of moving into motivations here. What is it that helps you get out of bed every morning, continuously evolve as a ball player and a person? What are some of those motivations? Um, Really just one, I've already put in this much work. So it's kind of like why stop? If I ever stopped now, it would almost be just for nothing. And I wouldn't say I'm like I'm obsessed, but it's definitely to the point that it's like I want to get better every day. You know, it's just something I've had, like something just happens in my body where it's like you can do this. Like I kind of think about what can I do each day to get myself 1% better every day, whether it's in the classroom, in the gym, on the field, just wherever. It's like I'm just obsessed with trying to get better. Okay. So taking that question a little bit further, let's say you continue to be obsessed with getting better. You go day to day and keep bettering yourself as a ball player, as a person. Perfect picture of your life 20 years down the road, you know, mid to late 30s there. What does that perfect picture look like? Um, honestly, be on a starting roster for an MLB team. Doesn't really matter what team, but just be on that starting roster. Say it's start day, just go out there, just absolutely dominate and throw how I like. I mean, there's a lot I can work on still, but throw to like the ability I can in the future where that where that's at. Okay. You know, love to hear it, man. Hopefully, you know, 
10, 15 years down the road, I could be going to a big league stadium and see Trey Gregory Alfred on the, on the Jumbotron. But, um, man, I've got six more questions here for you. Gonna this kind of be oh, more, the rapid fire phase. Gonna ask three sets of two questions here. First set okay. here, coolest contact in your phone. You know, you've been able to travel all over for baseball in the past 12, 13 months or so, meet a lot of cool people. Who is that coolest contact in your phone? And then second off, go-to playlist. You know, we talked about that 13-hour play earlier. <laughs> so what are you putting on the headphones, genre, singer, go-to podcast? What are you put? What are you putting on the speakers? All right. Uh, person who's ever talked to me the most, probably my dad or my nana, They've or his parents in general, they've been so key for me this summer, where it's just talking face-to-face or talking to my dad, player. Because my dad coached me up until about the age of 13, whether that's player to coach or just dad to son, they've definitely all been there. Um, most famous contact I probably have is Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys. Um, I have his contact. I mean, I haven't talked to him in a long time, so that's definitely someone I could like, be like, yeah, I got his contact. Um, playlist, ooh, it kind of, it, it really varies, you know. That 13-hour plane ride, I'll probably put on maybe some, like, 90s r and B. I'm getting into some country a little bit, so, or like, some indie music, like Tyler Creator or Max DeMarco, uh, who's another guy, Frank Ocean. Really, it can it varies. And I have, like, a whole playlist with all that stuff. All right, there we go. Moving uh, into the second set of two questions here for you. Let's say I'm taking a trip to the Colorado Springs, kind of your area. Somebody's taking mm-hmm. a trip to where you're at. What would be those area recommendations for them? You know, restaurants, some cool places to go see, some scenic views, being in the mountains. What would be those recommendations? And then second question, you have dinner with three people, dead or alive. Who would be at that table? Okay. So I'd first I'd take you. There's this little Italian restaurant I worked at during the winter. Family owned, been here I think since like 1950. Old, really old like restaurant. I worked there, staff there is great, amazing Italian food. That's definitely a place I take you. And then another place like locally in the Springs would either be downtown near like the Olympic Training Center, Paralympic Training Center, or even um, Garden of the Gods, like right next to the mountains. There's just huge red rocks of like, it's, it's weird. It's really cool though. And we also have like the two rocks. There's like two camels kissing. Like we call it kissing camels. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it's definitely something you have to go see though. Yeah. It's right next to the mountainside. Um, that's, those are the two places to definitely go. Ooh, three people to have dinner with. Um, that's a good question. Can we go back. Can we go back to that one later. Yeah, we can. We can do. Yeah, we'll, we'll move that to the last question. Um. Okay. So, I guess the next two questions here, that last segment, TikTok for you page, going on the app, scrolling through. What's that for you page look like? What are some of those videos that you're seeing? And then last, I love second to last question. Dream NIL brand. You get to UVA, have the opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand to partner or endorse? Um. Okay, so TikTok for you page, it it's everywhere. Like sometimes I'll get little clips of movies. I like like recently, um, I think the movie Jarhead and like Kung Fu Panda has been on there. <laughs> um, 
there's definitely been some like motivational stuff on there, like David Goggins, like quotes I've been seeing. Um, I think there's like there's another there's there's a lot of trends going around, so all those kind of come through, and really just also baseball videos, you know, or like just sports videos in general. Like I could I couldn't watch the uh, CSU CU football game, so I was our homecoming. And I look on TikTok and I see that hit on Travis, they had on Travis Hunter, and it's just the game in general. I'm like, ooh, man, like, <laughs> like, ooh. Um, but for that second question, dead or alive? No, that wasn't that one. What was the second question? The, the, the dream NIL brand. Oh, shoot. Oh, I haven't thought about this one, honestly. I could probably go with like, what's like a good drink I like? Um, these are these are good questions. Like I haven't thought yeah, about I this see, at all. I see you drinking that body armor. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad nil deal. No, no. I was gonna say I love body armor. Body armor is definitely something I like. Try to I like have almost every game. You can ask my teammates. Um, I'd probably go. No, not Gatorade. I, just, I like their water bottles, but that's about it. Their drinks are all right. Body armor's all right. Uh, I, like, I'm a big – I'm an energy drinker, a, like, sports drink guy, but not too heavy on it. Yeah. Um, Man. No, I'd probably go, like, Rawlings or, like, Nike or something like that, you know? Solid. You know, it would be too bad to, uh, you know, get some free gear from Nike or free, you know – pretty cool custom glove from Rawlings, you know, Rawlings is that, yeah. you know, I believe the glove of major league baseball. So, you know, not, not wouldn't it be too bad to get some partnerships with those brands. Obviously no. something right. If you have deals with those guys, but I guess moving it into that last question, have dinner with three people dead or alive. Who are you picking to have at that, have at that dinner table? Okay. Um, first person I'd probably go with, Shoot. Um, uh, no one, no, not no one, no one, Ryan. Um, who's a, who's the pitcher? I think it was Bob Gibson. I'll probably go with Bob Gibson, like minority black baseball player, kind of one or two decades after Jackie, Jackie really made the, broke that color barrier and just his experience when it wasn't as popular. Um, second player. I definitely do Serena Williams just because the way she's impacted the sports world in general, it's insane. It's really just insane what she's done. Like both like as a woman and a woman of color. So I do her for my second person. And then fourth person. Ooh, good question. I'll probably go with, um, Yeah, that's that's hard. Probably, mm. man. These are these are like <laughs> I got. I had the two. I just can't think of the third right now. Um, uh, I'll just go. I'll just go, I'm gonna go with my grandpa because he passed away at the age of four. Like at my age of four, so I didn't really get to know him at all, and I've heard just wonderful things about what he's done and who he was as a person. So he'd be my third. 
Okay. Would be a you know pretty pretty cool dinner to have there with those three people. But mm-hmm. um, and that's the final question here for you in the J Care podcast. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, we've got let's see, looking at hour, hour, half, hour, 45 minutes of yeah. here tonight. So, you know, it was great getting to meet you. Great, you know, great hearing about your career and everything that you've gone through these past couple of years, man. But, you know, thanks for coming on the show. And again, I, I do want to wish you the best of luck as you go through this next year, go through UVA, go to that next level as well. Um, Just want to wish you the best of luck, man. And again, you know, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jace. This was, this was a great podcast. I loved it.